The grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you who are visiting with us. We are just so glad that you are here with us today. On each one of the pews near the center aisle, there is a friendship pad. It's a black folder, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and pass it down the row so that other people can sign it too and let us know that you're here with us today. Uh, this, today, uh, one of the things that's happening in the life of the church is this afternoon at two o'clock, there is a memorial service here for Lynn Wilder. You are invited to come and be part of that. Our third Friday group is meeting the second Friday of the month this month because women's retreat falls on the third Friday. And so this coming Friday, third Friday, is meeting up with a, um, a St. Patrick's Day party. And we invite you to come and join us. It is a potluck. It does not cost anything. We do need to have you sign up to let us know you're coming and what you'll bring to the potluck out on the patio. Uh, and our, our entertainment is going to be some Celtic music with a harp one of the harpists who played here a couple of weeks ago in worship, and she's also going to be talking about how harps work, and I just think that's going to be fascinating. So that's this coming Friday, but we do need to have you sign up, please. Our women's retreat is in two weeks at Palo Mesa Resort. It is still possible to sign up for Saturday only. Tomorrow is the deadline to sign up for Saturday only. Our, we are full for the whole weekend, other than the Saturday only folks who would come just for the day and not spend the night. And you can sign up for that on our website, the Reverend Courtney Ellis of Church of the Master is speaking, and Courtney is just lots of fun and really a wonderful speaker. She is going to talk about uncluttered, uncluttering our lives. Also, the schedule for Holy Week is in the bulletin this, uh, this week. You can see that on Thursday night, Maundy Thursday, we're having a service at 7. Also, Good Friday, our service is now in the evening at 7 o'clock. And on Easter Sunday morning, we will have three services, so none of them are at this time. They will be at 8, 9.30, and 11. So if you don't pay attention, you'll show up in the middle of one of them. Uh, also, this week is time change. We are springing forward. So next week, if you forget to spring forward, when you get here, everybody's going to be walking out. So you might want to remember that. If you have children who are in, or grandchildren who are third through fifth grade, uh, it is time now to sign up for Camp H2O, which is our surf camp in the summer. It fills very quickly. So if you have a child who's been looking forward to that, don't wait. Be sure you get them signed up. Our grief group begins eight days after Easter, the Monday a week after Easter. And if you've had a loss of someone that you love or if you know someone who has, please look at that and consider coming. It's been a very, very helpful thing for people. It is uh, six or eight weeks long, but it does begin that Sunday right after, uh, a week, uh, Monday, a week after Easter. It's also a chance today to dedicate one of the Easter lilies for Easter Sunday morning. There's a cart out there where you can sign up to do that. Uh, and our, we are needing someone to sign up for flowers for here for our next Sunday morning. This, the flowers today are for Jack and Sally McLeod, who are celebrating their 64th anniversary. Jack and Sally, wave at us. Where are you? I saw you come in. There they are. <laughs> Wonderful. Congratulations. 64 years. You probably got married when you were 10. Yeah? Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. The heavens are declaring the glory of the Lord and we are listening and we are seeing that witness and testimony. We gather as the people of God and we pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen.
Join me in the responsive call to worship that you'll find printed in your bulletin. The heavens are declaring the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the in heavens, heavens he has, he has sent, sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him, all the earth. Let us stand and praise him together. Who has told every lightning bolt? Who 
morning our confession is in spoken word and in song will you pray with me search us O God and know our hearts test us and know our anxious thoughts point out anything in us that offends you and guide us on the road to life so we sing together create in me a new heart Lord, you know everything about us. You know when we sit down or stand up. You know our thoughts from afar. You see when we walk or lie down. You know every detail of our conduct. You even know what we're going to say before we say it. Such knowledge is too wonderful for us, too great for us to understand. And so we sing together. Cleanse us from hidden faults. Keep us from deliberate sins. Don't let them control us. Then we will be free of guilt and innocent of serious wrongdoing. So we sing together, create in me, Lord, a new heart. Create in me. 
May our words and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And so we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, God shows steadfast love and blesses to the thousandth generation those who walk in God's ways. In love, God sent Jesus to bless and redeem God's people. This is the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Next Sunday, our worship will be at uh, 8.30 in the morning. And then uh, at the 10 o'clock hour, we will have uh, a service somewhat like we did in January. Um, coming to moderate the meeting of the, of the congregation is uh, Jim Zeiler, who is the pastor at Laguna Niguel Presbyterian Church and the liaison of the Committee on Ministry uh, of Los Ranchos Presbytery. And uh, he will lead us through all the Presbyterian polity uh, processes, uh, helping us move through this particular time in our life and in my life, our, fa our family life. Uh, I have dreaded this season of my life for years. <laughs> when you love what you do so much and you've invested and now since the date of my ordination in 1963, um, a lifetime of work, of reading, of prayer, of discipline, of seeking to walk in the way of Christ, it's not easy to let go and um, to surrender the church into God's care, even though that's what I've been preaching and teaching and trying to live out all these years. This morning... Um, 
Forrest Clauston, who's the stated clerk of our presbytery, is with us. And um, he is going to, uh, between the hours this morning and after the second hour, he's available out in the patio here, get a cup of coffee. And if there's a big crowd who want to ask him questions or whatever, or one or two, doesn't matter, or no one, that's fine. But if you have any questions about this process, uh, Forrest is the chief source of authority for uh, interpretation of the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church USA. So we are very much dependent upon him for the working of the Presbytery of Los Ranchos, and we're grateful for him and the wisdom and the knowledge, experience that he brings um, to all the churches in this presbytery. So uh, the text this morning is from... Um, it's from John's Gospel, chapter 2, and I'd like to read it and uh, preach from it this morning. John 2, verse 12. After this, Jesus went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they remained there a few days. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said that this temple has been under construction by Herod the Great for 46 years. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he'd said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. And when he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone. For he himself knew what was in everyone. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I really have so many things to say to you and not enough time. But this process of coming to a decision to retire has caused me to think a whole lot about the unique relationship between pastor and congregation. Indeed, it is remarkable. It is a gift of God that the Lord calls us to. We don't claim it for ourselves. We walk into the call trusting the Lord, sharing life in a congregation of people, self-disclosing, becoming known, all of our strengths, all of our weaknesses, all of our struggles in life together, supporting one another, seeking to love one another as we have been loved by Jesus Christ. What a remarkable journey for the people of God. It's been so in every generation. I was with a couple this week, and uh, the lady of the house said to me, she said, you know, Jerry, what you communicate 
through your teaching and your preaching is how much you love your flock. And I thought to myself, I hope that's the truth. I want nothing more than for that to be the truth. Because we are followers of the good shepherd. The good shepherd who has a flock and who knows every name of the flock, journeys with them, watches them, cares about them, speaks truth to them, suffers with them, rejoices with them. And in the process, we are all transformed. And we learn along the way about that unique sort of connection between what goes on inside of us and what, how people see us. I remember my first course in preaching in seminary. I've shared this before, I think. I've been chosen as one of the preachers for our seminary gospel team. And I thought I was hot stuff. In the first preaching class, two of us preacher boys were asked to preach 10-minute sermons to choose our subject, and I chose the subject love to preach on. And I worked really hard on it. I was determined and thought, surely I would get an A in this class. So I preached for 10 minutes on love, and at the end of the class, the professor asked all the students in the class, what was the subject of the sermon today that Mr. Tankersley preached? And everyone was unanimous, love. And the professor asked, well, what was communicated? The class was unanimous again, anger. That popped my balloon. And began to teach me humility. And something that I deeply needed to know, that we all need to know, that we're capable of communicating at several different levels. And sometimes love looks like anger, or anger looks like love. And not everyone hears us and sees us in exactly the same way, or understands the nature of the ministry in which we are involved. It's a, it's a journey. A couple of weeks ago, we posted on our website the subject of the sermon, and after it with the statement, all are welcome. And someone, a voice that I know very well from the past of our church, showed up again in my life, uh, proclaiming, not true. Not everyone's welcome. I'm not welcome. And if you know Jerry Tankersley at all, you know you can't be in his church unless you agree with everything he says. At any rate, he said, the Presbyterian Church USA in America is apostate. And so Jerry Tankersley must be apostate as well, that is, having fallen away. There was no little hostility in that statement. And after I understood who wrote it, I was able to accept it and understand it and to search my own soul for whatever element of truth there might be in that. One of the great desires of my life is to develop a congregation where we can think freely in the context of our Reformed theological tradition and have the freedom to agree or to disagree with the word that is proclaimed, but always with charity for one another, with the freedom for the pulpit of the church to speak the truth in love, if at all possible. 
And so Jesus, in his ministry, he had to confront exactly the very same things that every communicator has to, commu to deal with. He grew up loving the temple, loving the house of God in Jerusalem. It was the house of his father. This was the house that his parents took him to when he was eight days old to be circumcised, to, to become identified as a Jewish person, called to keep the law and to walk in the way of God. When he was 12 years old, at another Passover celebration, his parents returned home and realized that he was not with them, and they ran back to Jerusalem amongst the crowds of people Finally, they found him inside the temple, sitting in a circle of elders, of adults, uh, debating the scriptures with them. And his mother, Mary, chided him. Don't you know you've made your father and your mother anxious? Why have you done this to us? Get up right now and follow us back home. And his response to her, how is it that you were searching for you? For me, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? The text says in Luke that his parents pondered that for a long time. Whenever Jesus moved back and forth between Galilee and Jerusalem, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he always went to the temple first. Because of his love for this place, this was the place of the revelation and the knowledge of the love of God. This is the place where the Psalms were sung, the prayer book of Israel. This was the place where prophets and priests proclaimed the word of the Lord. This was the place where the people gathered where they were shaped and formed for their mission in the world of being a light to the nations. Jesus went to this place, and oftentimes what he saw deeply troubled him as well as reminded him of the greatness and the goodness of the Holy One of Israel. I think Jesus, he identified with the prophet Jeremiah who in the 7th century B.C., would at last go up to the temple in Jerusalem, which was the center of the national life and the preserver of the royal theology of the time, of people who were saying, look, as long as we've got the king, as long as we've got the holy city, as long as we've got this temple, as long as we have this land, we are safe. It doesn't matter how we live. And Jeremiah, in the presence of all these false prophets, proclaimed the famous temple sermon that I think is at the background of our text in John 2. Let me ask you, if you listen to this, how does it make you feel? The people were saying, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Jeremiah called the nation to repentance and to covenant faithfulness. He spoke for God. If you truly act justly one with another, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, and the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own hurt, then I will dwell with you in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your ancestors forever and ever. Here you are trusting in deceptive words to a no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to other gods, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are safe, only to go on doing all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? You know I too am watching says the Lord. 
Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you've made it a den of robbers. And John's Gospel says that Jesus cleansed the temple even as the psalmist wrote, zeal for your house will consume me. Sometimes we have an image of Jesus as the pale Galilean who never spoke an unkind word, who never got angry, who could not be morally indignant, who was just sort of an easygoing guy who always built up people with what they wanted to hear anyway. You listen to some of the early morning television preachers and you'll hear some of that. What a remarkable thing it is that we come out of this great tradition where the church listens to the word of God from true prophets and struggles with the reality of this Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, the incarnate word of God, who when he saw what was going on in his own time, that the house of God, the temple, had been turned into a marketplace where money changers were functioning as banks, changing money to get holy money, to buy sacrifices, to be offered up inside the temple, where the courts of the Gentiles were filled with multitudes of people, where there were cages of doves and all kinds of animals, sheep and oxen and all kinds of animals for the sake of sacrifice. John tells us that Jesus took a, fashioned a whip and began to beat them and drive them out of the temple, overturning their tables. Don't you know that this house is to be a house of prayer? that this is the house of the living God, the Holy One of Israel. This is the house where God dwells on earth. And the religious authority says, by what authority are you doing this? Who gave you permission to tear up the house of God and to interrupt in business as usual? as we seek to maintain the institution of the church, raising money and worshiping and singing and making all kinds of noise. Who told you you could do this? And Jesus made this response that was absolutely astounding. Tear this building, this house down. And in three days, I will rebuild it. Who are you kidding? It has taken 46 years to build this house, like some of the great cathedrals in Europe. And somehow, they're never quite finished. John says the disciples remembered after his death and resurrection that he was speaking of the temple of his body. Because he presented his body as the temple, as the dwelling place of the living holy God in the presence of his people, he spoke and he acted with the authority of God. And he knew how to be righteously angry in ways that I don't. Nor do you. Anger can be really dangerous. Be angry, but sin not. But it was love that drove him to seek to reform the church in his time. And the rest of the New Testament picks up that metaphor of the temple as the body or the house of God and says, the church is that body. We are the temple of the living Lord in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. And the Lord wants to build zeal in every one of our hearts. Devotion, a willingness to serve, to give, to work for the sake of building the house of God in every city 
around the earth. What a vision that we're members of the body of Christ of which Christ is the head and we are individual members, temples of the Holy Spirit called to a new way of life of living in justice and righteousness speaking the truth in love and learning to love one another as we have been loved. This remains after my nearly 46 years of ministry with you. And I'm teased all the time that I must hold some record for longevity. I can assure you I did not plan this. I made decisions along the way that made it possible to be sure. The work remains unfinished. And this is a work that belongs to you. To the session, the elders, the deacons, the members of this congregation. This church certainly will not collapse because I retire. Because this is not Jerry Tankersley's church in an ultimate sense. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. This is a part of the body of Christ. We're not the only part of the body, but we're a very important part of the body. And God has placed us on this corner to be a lighthouse of the gospel. The call for justice and righteousness and to live it with the same zeal that flourished in Jesus' heart and which he wants to impart to every one of us. And so it's okay to get worked up about the well-being of the church. It's not okay to destroy one another or to separate from one another because we don't get our way. What is important is that we love one another. A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So next Sunday, you will vote to dissolve the pastoral relationship of this congregation, between me and this congregation that began in June 1972. And I'm entering a new season of my life, even as you are. And it's a season filled with grief and some anxiety and wondering what's next. And just like years ago, when I was highly ambivalent about coming to live in Laguna Beach, I decided to trust the Lord. And the Lord has been faithful in so many ways. All glory to God and to you. Not many of you were here when I came to be your pastor. I think uh, Dick Maxwell is the only remaining living member of the Pre Pastors Nominating Committee. He was one of the first people I came to know, and Dick and I and Carol and Kay have walked over high Sierras, done Maxwell famous death marches together. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun. It's been a joy. Presbytery has separation guidelines. How for a pastor and a people to say goodbye. Those are posted, or you can link to them in the email that you received, and they'll be posted on our website. Those are very important for the church going forward. 
as I've said in my letter, is an awkward thing to be the former pastor and living in the church or in the city where you serve the church. I hope it can happen and we can continue, all of us, to be good friends. My family will continue to be members of the church. I know you will continue to love and support them. God knows the Tankersleys have needed all kinds of support across the years. I suspect as we all have. I have to separate for at least a year after the new pastor is installed. Just let me encourage you, do not be afraid. Do not be anxious. You are in good hands. God loves you. Christ loves you. He's alive within you. The Presbytery loves you and is here to facilitate the continued flourishing of this congregation. And I want to do everything I can do to make that possible and to continue to be our, a good friend of the staff and of the future pastor of this church. Thanks be to God. I'm here until the end of June, and I'm going to be, we're going to be having a bunch of meetings and uh, opportunities for us to talk together and to explore together what all of this means. I'm trying to learn myself. So why don't you join with me in our affirmation of faith. The words from Micah 6.6, 6, we read responsively as our confession of faith. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Thanks be to God. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering.
God of justice, do not delay. Make haste to deliver us and our world from destructive forces, from natural disasters, from hatred and violence and oppression, from divisions which are killing us. We cry to you on behalf of the innocents in Syria, in Israel and Palestine, in our own streets. We cry to you on behalf of our government leaders and leaders around the world who find themselves unable to solve these problems without your wisdom and your intervening hand. Lord, you know our human brokenness, so do not delay to help those for whom home is no longer a safe place, those who fear for their lives those who have been betrayed, those who do not know if they will eat today, those who carry physical or emotional pain, those who live with chronic illness, those who know that they have only a short time left to live. We pray for your church in every corner of the earth, and for our congregation here. We thank you that you have been our help in ages past and that you are our hope for years to come, that you hold us and Jerry in the palm of your hand. And so in expectant hope, we bring you these gifts and we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
If anyone is in Christ, they are new creations. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In life and in death, we belong to God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Go forth to live with faith, hope, courage, and above everything else with the love of God. Amen. Thank you.